What's up? What's up? What is up? Another Friday, another opportunity to get together and record the Ball Hall Sports Talk. You see, I got on the shades. You see, I got on the hat. You had to switch to the straw hats uh, because we are officially getting close to summer. Today's episode is going by the title of Balling on the Beach. I got on my shirt, Balling on the Beach, and we got sports business and entertainment that is going to capture some of the concepts of Balling on the Beach. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned, get locked in. Uh, if you do not know, let me let you get in on a little information. The Ballhawk Sports Talk is where sports, business, entertainment collides, where a few businessmen get together and talk sports in an entertaining fashion. And we do it one way and one way only. That's rough, rugged, and raw. So uh, please fasten your seatbelt. Please pour a nice tall mug of coffee. Please make sure that you are ready for the experience that is known as the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. With no further ado, boys and girls, cats and rats, dogs and frogs, we about to hop in. So let's go. Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke. Because this is the Ball Hawk Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hawk. AKA the mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw. So come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter and salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on. Let's go, 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 Once again, it's on. Once again, it's on. Uh, as I step up to this microphone in the summer, baby. You know what it is, man. Ball on the beach. Uh, heading out to this tournament. A huge, huge, huge tournament down in South Florida. But it also brought us to that title, Ball on the Beach. Brought us face-to-face with some of the sports business entertainment stories for this week. Because... Uh, the first one, before we even get in, breaking news from the NBA. You heard it here because we are the, the source of all real sports business entertainment. Sports business and entertainment has collided in Charlotte for so long because the greatest of all times, as known to some people, other than the Big Flow Show, Michael Jordan owned the Hornets now, Bobcats, whatever they were, but Hornets now. And it has been reported that he is in the final stages of talks and he's going to sell the Hornets. Uh, ending his 13-year reign as the, the majority stake owner in the Charlotte Hornets. What do y'all think about that, man? I'm, I'm going to start with you, Big Flo Show, because I know you're going to hate because you're a LeBron guy. But Michael Jordan, who has, I think, sort of been uh, mid-graded best, if not really bad at being an owner, is giving up his stake. I thought he was so competitive that he would, he would only do he would only sell it when he finally was air quote successful and had a winning team. They ain't no winning team. They are on a path towards nowhere. And MJ looked like he's tapping out. I'll start with you on this one, ETP. It's a break Whoa. story. Hold on a second, man. <laughs> What? You gonna pump fake? Am I just a, you trying to draw the defense? <laughs> Yo, you, you told me you're gonna start with me, then you, you talk so me. long, you forgot who you are. You start with you. Big Flow Show, I'm starting with you on this one. I thought I knew. Yes, so this was hey, hey, draw. Who, who I said like I wasn't starting with you. Would you like this? Since Bobby can't 
decide. Would you like to go, go ahead? First? Big flow show. The would flow you show. Like to go first? So I'll take the mic since that was the first one you offered it to. <laughs> I didn't just turn it down. My bad. My bad. I don't know how much he sold it for, but all I'm saying is that LeBron would have sold it for more. That's all I can say. He would have owned it longer. That's why I didn't want to start with you. See, see I'm saying you knew you knew you're gonna get good commentary from me. I don't know. I think I don't, this has been a real lackluster part of Jordan's career. He's a great businessman in general. I mean, at the end of the day, this goes down as a great business move. It, it was unsuccessful, but he's gonna make a ton of money like all owners do when they when they sell their teams and own it for a while. He's done so well with so much stuff, it's probably taken too much of his time. He's not any good at it. Um, he hasn't had any. You know, Lamelo's the only pick that you that any one of us thinks it's worked out and starting to not work out like it was. So, might as well get <clears throat> cash in and go do something else. I mean, I'm sure he's enjoying his life and doing whatever, but you know, he's competitive, and at some point, you tap out. He's never gonna get. This is beyond him. He's not. He's just not good. So he's never. He's never gonna become a good owner and make the thing work. So I was just cash out and go golf some more. So, hey, might as well be balling on the beach. Head to the beach. the beach. Sell, sell the stake, majority stake in the team and go buy your own beach. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, ETP, I know from a business standpoint, he has been criticized, uh, Michael Jordan being the he in that statement. And fairly so, I, w- I would also admit, although I'm, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan and, and well-documented, um, do you think this decision further taints his legacy as an owner. The decision to sell taints his legacy as an no, owner. No, not not the not the decision to sell, but the decision being um, in a in a in a in a in a time where the organization, the franchise, really hasn't done anything. It's not as though this is on an upper trajectory. It's not like he's selling it where, you know, <clears throat> we all think the Hornets are like one free agent signee away from making it to the chip. And so the decision seems as though like a little bit of a tap out. And yeah. he's going to get paid for it, but at the same time, he's been criticized as being a poor owner. And is this an admission selling it? Maybe he needed the money. Maybe he needed the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, he he spent my, I've, I've said it on the show a couple times, my position on sports ownership is that there should be an expiration date on ownership if you're not able to bring a championship to the organization. So for me, I think that this is the right thing to do. I mean, it's the right thing to do. And, and for me, if the issue is legacy, but I'm walking away with, you know, 10 X of, of what I put into an organization while mismanaging it and not able to see success, I'll take that hit on my legacy because ultimately, you know, he's he's already a billionaire. He's going to make a billion off this at least net. So at this stage, I don't think it matters. I don't think he was ever looking to build a legacy as a business person, but his legacy cemented. I mean, he makes over, I think, about half a billion dollars annually off his name, image, and likeness or the licensing of his name just with Nike alone. So this is just an, you know, a a one piece of his portfolio and he hasn't it's it's a question of is it a worse representation of his legacy if he just continued to own the, the franchise and wasn't able to do anything for another 10 years so cut bait and he likes to fish so i think it's the right decision uh if don't no fish. other reason he likes to fish 
Gone fishing. Uh, that is what we all say when someone is eliminated from the playoffs. And so it's ironic that on this day that we're going to discuss some some uh, balling on the beach, gone fishing, sports business entertainment commentary, that this would be the day that this breaking news breaks. And you heard it here first on the Ball Hog Sports Talk. But, uh, but uh, ownership when it comes to sports team is unique. If you ownership in any other business, if you sell it for 10x, you think, all right, man, shoot. You know, that is the definition of success, that you built an organization that is now 10 times worth what you invested in it. But when it comes to sports, there's this other uh, analysis and wins and losses. So while, yes, he's successful as a businessman, if you're selling it for 10x, uh, I do think that this is going to ultimately be a part of the narrative, how you know, just like the wizard years, you know, if you want to say something that detracts away from the sycophants, the disciples of MJ, those who are 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 very comfortably in MJ camp, I think this is going to be one of the things that he, he failed miserably as an owner when it comes to wins and losses and building a franchise that was on at least the upward swing when he sold it. This this team is is just as bad. I won't say just as bad. I mean, they've got some young pieces. Well. This Pete, I mean, he also dealt with a little bit of misfortune. They were on the upswing. Miles Bridges had off the, you know, off the court issues that basically terminated his career. Lamelo Ball's. I would argue that Miles Bridges' wife or partner had more issues with that. But yeah, yes, in that incident, yes. Yeah. Lamelo Ball's kind of following a similar trajectory as Lonzo Ball, in, you know, season-ending injuries. So yeah. they were they were looking bright as a young core, but it fell apart pretty quickly. So I can't really, you can't attribute any of that to the ownership, but at the end of the day, it's consistent with what they've been able to produce. Yeah. Um, the other, the other reason, uh, several reasons, but the main reason that balling on the beach is our title. For those of you who, who are new to the ball hog experience, um, we like to put a lot into our titles. And the idea of gone fishing, the idea of now you can get your ticket to Cancun uh, is been prevalent in the NBA circles whenever a team is bounced from the playoffs. And so uh, I stand here today on the 16th of June, on this particular Friday, as summer is right there. We about to snatch summer. We're going to snatch it right by its wig. We about to grab it. It's there. I stand here and admit that I was wrong. I said the Miami Heat was going to figure it out. Jimmy Buckus was going to lead us. We were going to be the uh, best story of all times when it came to an eight seed defeating all of these Goliaths on in its route to the NBA championship. I was wrong because the Denver Nuggets, they were just a little too much. And when I say a little too much, I mean a lot too much. And they deserve their props. The Denver Nuggets, for those of you who live under a rock, and do not know, the Denver Nuggets won their first championship in 47 years, first time in franchise history. So on the other end of the spectrum, we talked, you know, started off talking about the Hornets and their ineptitude and inability to really build something. You've got the Denver Nuggets that did it the right way, the right way, right? The conversation is about how they built these pieces. They built their team off of these, these, these pieces, one being – Jamal Murray, and one being the Joker. So with really no direction whatsoever, but to appreciate and applaud what they were able to do, let's hop in, man. The NBA Finals, 
was highlighted by one team, and it was the Denver Nuggets. Um, Miami was able to steal the game in Denver, but at no point did it seem as though they had turned the tide and became the favorites to win that series. Um, what do you guys think about the series? Let's talk about Joker. Let's talk about Jamal Murray. And then let's talk about whether or not this Denver Nuggets being young, this Denver Nuggets being a team that seems to be built the right way, this Denver Nuggets having an owner that is, again, the very opposite of Michael Jordan as an owner. He has won every place he's gone. And, you know, shout out to him, right? He, he, he lacrosse, uh, uh, Major League Lacrosse, he's got an NHL team, the Avalanche. He's got an NFL team, the Rams. He's figured out how to win championships. And so this might be dangerous for the NBA, the Western Conference especially, but the entire NBA going forward. Uh, is this beginning of what would be the new dynasty in the Western Conference? Uh, I'll start with you on it, ETP. Um, your your feeling about the finals, and let's stick with Denver and give them their their. Let's make sure we give them their flowers now. What say you? So you want to focus on Denver just so that we don't. Are we gonna get to Miami? Miami. We're gonna get to Miami. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna. I ain't gonna cop out. I mean, I'm not. I'm not excited about it. But we are gonna do it. Right, we're gonna get to Miami. Let's start yeah. with Denver. Let's give them their props before I start talking about how bad the refs were and they stole it from Miami. Let's give them their props. Yeah. So, I mean, Denver, they were unsung going into it. Nobody really – I mean, all of the pundits and all of the media coverage, Denver really wasn't – they were the one seed, you know, probably from from jump of the of the regular season. They were – they basically held on to that one seed all throughout the season – they had, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray coming off injuries over the past couple of seasons. So they were fully stocked. I don't see them. I mean, Joker is essentially a, a one-man team for the most part, can, you know, fill up every stat. I mean, the idea that he led the entire league in the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists, that's never been done. It's Obviously, I mean, he's one of one and and he's not flashy about it. He just makes the right decision at the right time every time for the most part. And I don't really see them changing, you know, they're, you know, changing their progression. I, I see them very, very plausibly back to back, maybe in a three-peat. They've got all their core pieces in terms of contracts. Everybody, I think, that has been instrumental in terms of you know, main roles is locked up contract wise until at least 2025, maybe even 2026. Obviously the role players like KCP and Brown and the other Brown may or may not be around, but the core starters and the, you know, the core of the group is, is locked in contractually and they're all young, you know, they're all in their mid to late twenties. The rookie Brown, like he delivered, man. Bruce Brown delivered too, but you got a guy on a rookie contract that comes in and impacts the series after really being average all season. Yeah. Uh, and he won, yeah, man, won just, three high school title, three high school state titles, a national championship yeah. in Kansas, and now he's an NBA champion. So he's uh, as a that's like, that's like a lucky dude. You want to just pull him on your team just just because he brings good things. Yeah. Life. I mean, Look. that's I don't know of anybody else. Like Kareem and Trevor Lawrence, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Trevor I Lawrence haven't. ain't won no Super Bowl yet, though. 
So he beat Trevor Lawrence to the punch. Ain't that crazy? Uh, it's worth mentioning because this Ringer Top 125 in the NBA list came out. And it's created quite the controversy, quite the spark. Uh, but it's worth mentioning that number one on that list was not this year's NBA MVP, Joel Embiid, but it was this year's NBA Finals MVP and the Joker. And so I bring that up. We'll get back to the, that top 125 list because Jimmy Butler was also in that ringer 125. And 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 because I'm a man of my word, we are going to come and talk about the Heat. But let's talk about the number one player on that list, the Joker. Because the Joker in this NBA Finals, I think he's now he, – he, look, he's a two-time MVP, so he's already a household name. But I just think that that we never really appreciated we being the, the the general fan, never really appreciated just how dominant he is. We being guys that watch a lot of basketball, but still don't get to watch him a lot because Denver's just not a prime time team. Despite the fact that they were the number one seed in the West, I would bet if we compare the number of national games that they had versus the Lakers, it wouldn't even be close. So this is really the first taste. Of, of the entire world, or we can just stick to the U.S., the entire country, but indeed the entire world because, you know, he's, he's Eastern European, but the entire country stopped what they were doing and watched the Joker, and damn, he delivered. He delivered. You know, I, I think shame on uh, uh, Perkins for shaming the writers into uh, giving Joel and me the MVP because – I don't watch a ton of regular season basketball season so long. I watch spots here and there, whoever's playing LeBron. And uh, I don't see how the hell Embiid beat him. For, <laughs> you know, when you look at the playoffs. You don't I think see how Embiid it. got robbed last year. I think Embiid should have won it last year. Joker should have won it this year. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. I just think that the way that the Joker plays, it's not even a comparison right now. I mean, in, in the playoffs when it matters. It's not even a comparison. I mean, Embiid is okay in the playoffs, but Joker is just a killer. Even his bad games, you think he had a silent game and he had like 30. Like, you know, maybe they had, we had to talk about the fact that they held him to four assists. Like He had 41 points that game or something like that. And we, oh, he only had four assists. And, and maybe, you know, dude, we have people over here getting uh, called misogynistic because they couldn't understand the questions. <laughs> you know, coaches getting called, uh, accused of stuff because he just, this dude is we haven't really seen somebody who has his skill set with his body yeah. style. Yeah. So joking is, is a goon right now, not to mess with. You asked what this is, this is the start of a dynasty. I think that if Jamal Murray doesn't blow his knee out, that we may already be in the middle of a dynasty. Fair. Very you fair. I mean, I, I can't I can't deny that because Jamal Murray also delivered. He's a big let's be piece. honest. At, at any at, at, hey, look. At any point, they were a two-head juggernaut. Like, that pick-and-roll game was indefensible. You couldn't defend it with a zone. You couldn't defend it in man. If you got caught with the wrong player that was now on Joker, it was – it was. It, it's just they, – they are a juggernaut. And I would agree if, if Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt, this is their second championship, yeah. not their first. At least. At Maybe. Least. I mean, it's, that's just a – the Warriors were champions last year. The year before that, 
was it Milwaukee? Milwaukee won that. It's possible. Milwaukee I mean, the way they dominated. He, he, blew his, he blew his knee out of the Milwaukee year, right? Milwaukee year, yeah. No, that was the <laughs> bubble. Didn't he get hurt in the bubble? No, I think he got hurt in the Milwaukee year. Oh, so the, the year bubble? after the bubble. All of these years, COVID just messed up. COVID messed up your memory. Yeah, I said add a year to your memory. Yeah, whatever seriously. it was, though, I don't know where the other pieces were, but because they didn't have. Um, but Porter Jr. was injured. Porter was there as well. Yeah, he played so, this year. He wasn't, you know, but he did get hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. In a, I think he was in a rookie contract <clears throat> when he got hurt. But yeah, he didn't play coming out. I mean, he was. I mean, he was the player. He was the top prospect. He was the most talked about. He was high school player of the year, McDonald's All-American MVP, but he had back issues and then wasn't able to play. Um, and then he got he had another back surgery after he got into the league and it derailed a little bit, and now he's back. And he's probably, he's of all of the young talent that they have on that team, he was probably the most underwhelming throughout the series. I mean, he's, he's he's big. He can shoot, but he, he they he, he's a piece that they could trade. Like that's how good that team is. I'm looking at that team. I'm like, whoa, that that's a that's a juggernaut. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised. They're basically Golden right? State with a better with a better point guard with a better creator with Joker being a better creator than Steph is. Like as far as you know, distributing the ball to other people and getting people involved. That's the same team. You know what I mean? Well, it's yeah. like I mean, it's on. It's not even like Steph. It's like it's like Draymond, who can score a million points and is a better Steph facilitator. and Draymond together, and he's taller. Yeah, right. Well, and, I mean, someone called Joker. They said he's. I can't remember who they said he scores like some great. I can't remember who it was. I, I I'm gonna mess it up by not remembering that part. But they said he's he passes like Magic. He hits the board like Tim Duncan. And he can shoot percentage wise. He does like Steph that. Curry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the score was like it was some like maybe LeBron. It was some some crazy. And you think about it, he has all of those facets of his game. It was Richard Jefferson. I think you're talking about Richard Jefferson, and he was talking about it was like Giannis, Giannis's uh defensive prowess, Tim Duncan's rebounding, I think Shaq's scoring when they won like one of the championships with the Lakers and what was like one? And, and the Magic Johnson passing. And he was basically like on par or better statistically in every single comparison. He yeah. D'd up AD so nasty. He did up who? Anthony Davis couldn't do shit against him. He scored no. a lot when he wasn't getting covered by Joker. But when it was one-on-one with the Joker, he blocked the shot or made him miss almost every time. I hated to admit it, but yeah. he was killing him. <clears throat> he doesn't look like he's an athletic dude. He's just he's. He I don't think all... that's a, that he is not an athletic dude. What he said, what he has proven is his skill can trump athleticism. When yeah, but but you also, I mean, I, so the athleticism is like he doesn't jump that high. He's not. Well, he I've never seen him tired. Right, like he looks like he shouldn't be able to he's last. They say he couldn't he's, hold. He's a, in shape. A plank like for he's 10 always seconds. running. He's always when he came down to the, the court. NBA, they say he couldn't hold a plank for ten seconds, and then he worked <laughs> on his body, and now he's in great shape. So anybody can get great shape. You know, being being in good a good shape and being an athlete are, are not synonymous. I mean, you can work your way into being in good shape. He knows how to use his body. He, you know, he's tall. Is he quite seven feet or is he like six eleven? I think he's he's less listed at six eleven. Six eleven. So he's so he's not quite there, but he's got long arms. 
he positions his body so like it's like it doesn't look like anyone ever gets near his shot right he finds a way to just move he does it smooth the thing about it is i've never seen anybody play as calmly as he plays the whole time he'll the whole get time. the ball he'll... in the pick and roll and he will turn and he can put it into a shot or dump it to somebody as if the game like it's walkthrough pace it's yeah. like he's going through a walkthrough he's and look he'll, he'll get a rebound and push the pace and you're thinking i know i'm thinking like oh just steal the ball from behind but he doesn't get caught he's just fast enough mm-hmm. right he he's just shifty enough he can jump just high enough to get the ball up and get a shot and anytime the ball hits the rim, when Joker shoots it, it's going to find its way into that. It game. bounces. Yeah. It bounces. He has the best shooter's touch of any shooter I've ever seen. And so um, this ringer, this ringer list, top one twenty-five, has him as number one. It has Stephen Curry as number two, the Greek Freak Giannis number three, Kevin Durant number four, Joel Embiid number five. All right, that's top five. Six through ten is Jason Tatum. Seven is Luka Doncic. Eight is Kawhi Leonard. Nine, we're going to skip nine. I'll come back. Ten is Devin Booker. Nine is Jimmy Buckets. Because on the other side of that NBA Finals was a team led by, inspired by, and let's be honest, carried by, Jimmy Buckets. And so as we rightly give the Denver Nuggets their flowers, celebrate their first championship, give props and salute to an owner that's figured out how to win in almost every league, including Major League Lacrosse. At the same time, we got to put the Miami Heat in the hot seat. I did not think that we would be the victim of a gentleman's sweep. And technically, I mean, in the most technical terms, it's a gentleman's sweep. But, I, you know, we win game two. Stop, stop, stop. All right, so I ain't going to try to argue that. I tried to convince them that it wasn't. I tried to say that you're trying, You were trying to give it you. I tried to say the gentleman's sweep is when you're up 3-0 and you don't get the sweep and they steal one and then you sweep them in the fifth game. That's what I tried to say. But in the most technical terms, 4-1 is gentleman sweep. But the Miami Heat fought in game four. Excuse me, game five. They fought in game five. It was a great game. It came down to one possession. And then Jimmy Buckets has two very bad possessions. One being we're down one. And he had several bad turnovers throughout the game. He was not very aggressive. He only had eight points. Going into the fourth quarter when he has that 12-point run where he scores 12 straight. So he gets to 20, and I guess it looks better on the stat sheet. But if you watch the game, Jimmy Buckets looked out of sorts. Jimmy Buckets looked tentative. Jimmy Buckets looked discombobulated. Jimmy Buckets looked overwhelmed by the moment. And it's tough to say that because I am on the Jimmy Buckets train. I am, I, I'm, on, I'm in the fan club now after watching this NBA playoff run. But damn, it didn't end well. And now Jimmy Buckets is on this ringer, top 125, as the number nine person. And so it's only fair, just like we do with LeBron, just like we do with, you name it, all of our greats, it's time for us to talk Jimmy. What did y'all see? Because the other end of that great story of them winning first in the franchise was 
a team that was this close but yet so far, and Jimmy Buckets was the captain of the come-up short crew. Yeah, I, I think – I mean – he looked like he was out of, I mean, he carried them for the most part all the way to the finals. So definitely could fatigue could have been a part of it. But I think what a lot of the narrative or the story that's not being told, because the assumption is, especially in the early, you know, uh, rounds of the playoffs, the Nuggets were just crushing offensively. Like they didn't need to play defense. They were just like, we'll just score more than you. We will score faster and we will score more. And we don't care if you score on the other end. We're going to just continue to run the numbers up and we're just going to, by brute force, offensively beat you. But in the finals, a lot of the story that's not told is how effective defensively the Nuggets were, especially in the last game. Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon is a terrible matchup for Jimmy Butler. And while you expect Jimmy to be able to get, get his numbers there's it's a testament to the defense of the Denver Nuggets so I don't necessarily want to say he disappeared by you know downplaying how effectively the the Nuggets played defensively obviously greats are supposed to rise above their opposition regardless and and do what they need to do but he was neutralized the entire series and and they played team defense Aaron Gordon played great on ball defense but their rotations and their helps were great they play great team defense. And look, you're not getting second chance shots. We got out rebounded by everybody, but Denver did a good job of making sure that if you get a shot and you miss it, they got a possession. They're not giving up that rebound. Uh big flow show. I I, I was celebrating Jimmy. I was ready to crown him as, you know, the 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 absolute man with a plan when it comes to putting a team on your back and getting them to heights that they could have never gotten without you. He was, he was, and we all celebrate the Allen Iverson run to the finals with the Sixers, with the crew of no names. And they got one game against the Lakers when he stepped over Tyron Lue. This was going to trumpet for me because of who they had to beat on the way to the finals and the fact that they were an eight seed. And the buildup was phenomenal. And Jimmy Buckets and the Pips did not deliver. Seven undrafted players on that Miami Heat team. Eric Spoltra and and Pat Riley have been celebrated for what they've been able to do in getting that roster to perform the way it did. But the buildup was great. And then we got there, and the letdown was just as great, especially when it came to Jimmy Buckets. What say you? You know, <clears throat> when I watched Jimmy in earlier series and some of the things he did, he started getting so mad. Like, man, he started off in Chicago, and how the hell did we let this guy get out of here? And you just you start to scratch your head, like, what the what's going on? You know, like really, like really looking at yourself in the mirror, like we could have had this. And then you see games like he had and things he did. You start realizing that he, you know, how does he end up wearing his welcome out everywhere that he goes? When he's capable of such greatness as he is, he ends up going to places and he's, and that's really, if you look back at Jimmy, that's who he is. Like he didn't make the all-star team this year. You know what I mean? Like he has great streaks and great games. And then he, something happens in his head. And I don't know what kind of mental scars he has from his upbringing, but something happens and he ends up not, 
not being able to just, I don't know, he goes to that's the dark place and he's dark Jimmy and he doesn't, he's not Jimmy that you want. So you, you watch him some of this season and you think this is the second best player in the finals right now for a lot of, for a lot of games. Only person that did better than him that stood out more is the Joker, but then he just falls asleep. And I guess that has to be that, that has to be it. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to give him the fatigue factor. It's just he's a hit. He did look tired. I, I'm not look. Everybody was tired. I was and tired. I can't stand him. Yeah. He hurt his toe. Everybody's hurt in the finals. Toast. Everybody's tired. Like but he did look extremely tired. I'll give him that, yeah. but only just to mention it, not as a real explanation for why you don't deliver in a closeout game. You're about to be a Joker was tired. Too. But but also, if there's no second option, I mean, Kyle Lowry showed up to try to like be that second option bam was you know sparks but if there's no like if there's no pippin jordan's not winning finals because you need some type of alternative like you can't yeah. just by brute force in the nba finals against a team that has swarming defense that has you know that is bigger than at you bigger than you at every position taller every position. yeah it's Without a second option, you're basically going to be neutralized. And at that point, like, yeah, he might have he might have even been able to get fit 40, 50 points, but he would have been the only one scoring. So they, yeah. they basically attacked him, and nobody else was able to really deliver any additional scoring. Like, they were talking about Tyler Hero coming back in game five and maybe giving them a scoring burst, but nobody else was delivering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when Max Struess, and you got these guys, Vincent and – I mean, they're you know they're 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 just guys. They're you know so as much as we celebrated in the lead up that you got seven undrafted players on this roster. The truth of the matter is, is when you're going up against a team like Denver, that you know they've done it the right way. They built it with young talent, and they're clicking on all cylinders. Empty possessions, uh, you know, like Vincent threw a turnover when we had a chance to go up. It, 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 the empty possessions that those small mistakes that some of the, the, the fringe players make um, and Vincent's probably no longer a fringe player, but, the, but it just, it comes back to bite you. So Jimmy Butler did say something before game five, when uh, the Miami heat were eliminated in a gentleman's sweep, he did say something about, you know, hall of fame conversation came up. He's like, yeah, well, if I'm inducted to the hall of fame, I probably won't even accept it. And I think that that just as attractive as his peculiar, is that a good way way to describe him? His peculiar personality is just as attractive as it is at times. uh, It could be just as as unattractive. And I think that's what leads to him being persona non grata um, at different times, whether it be in Chicago, whether it be in Philadelphia, uh, whether it be in Miami, let's not forget him and Haslam almost went to blows and him and uh, Eric Spolstra. So, um, you know, you got to take the good, get the good with the bad when it comes with a guy like that. Uh, but to see him on this ringer list, top 25 at number nine in this moment just makes us sort of deal with the reality that he came up very small in the biggest moment. Um, but we're going to be all right because rumor has it we getting some help. Jimmy going to have some help. Uh, look, Miami Heat, you, you, you outkicked your coverage. As the number eight seed had, you know, done the unthinkable and upset Milwaukee, done the unthinkable and the, the Knicks fan, but done the unthinkable and upset Boston uh, after giving up a 3-0 lead and seemed to be 
destined to have the most historic collapse in all of basketball. You figure out a way to win that. Uh, I think that they just ran out of bullets and, um, you know, physically tired hand. I just think psychologically and mentally, they just, they couldn't overcome Joker. So shout out to Joker and shout out to Serbia, man. All of Serbia celebrate. You know, you have arrived when your face at six foot 11 is on the entire side of the biggest building in the most populated city of a country. That's what kind of love they got for Joker. And they should, because the Joker is here to stay. He is an unbelievable superstar. And I think that that, that NBA coaches are going to really struggle figuring out how to defend him. You know, a la Eric Spolstra. But fill in the blank with any NBA coach. How do you defend somebody like that? Uh, so shout out to Joker. Shout out to Serbia. And then guess what? Serbia wasn't done there. This week. A different is Djokovic, and it's spelled different, but a different Serbian uh, made history by winning the the French Open. Uh, Djokovic won the French Open, and in doing so, he has the most Grand Slam wins of any male or female tennis player. And only in the Ball Hawk Sports Talk can you get that transition. We went NBA Finals, we went Serbia, and we went right to the French Open and talked about uh the Djokovic being the all-time leader in Grand Slam wins only in the ball hog sports talk can you get that type of diversity on sports business entertainment but I digress uh I didn't watch the French Open but uh I know that he is dominant and has dominated evidenced by the 23 Grand Slam wins um I did want to hop into before we move too far I did want to hop into the fact that I am balling on the beach Going down the ball on the beach, going down to Miami. I wanted to admit that Miami was on the cusp of being um, sports central. And then they played the games. It was on the cusp. And now they're just on the beach. (laughs) It was on the cusp because we had not one, but two number eight seeds. And missed both free throws. We had not one but two teams that were upsetting all of these higher-seeded teams. We had not one but two teams that had to go through Boston as the eighth seed and come out victorious. Ooh, okay. I see where you did that. I see how you did there. And then, wah, 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 <laughs> both of them got the damn gentleman sweep. Both of them. Both of them. Not one but both of them. If it ain't bad enough that my Miami Heat disappointed me, after I came on this show and guaranteed, I guarantee, I guarantee we was going to win this championship. Then the doggone Florida Panthers. Sunrise Panthers. I mean, and the only win that they got was this thriller overtime. So it definitely was a gentleman's sweep. The Vegas Golden Knights indeed won the Stanley Cup final. And Miami, with all of the buildup, with all of the possibility. Is left with wah, wah, wah. But luckily, it's a, it's a summer city, so we're going to party anyway. We're going to party even in defeat. How about that? Uh, and just to celebrate, again, our diversity, you didn't hear NBA. You didn't hear French Open. You didn't hear NHL. We didn't talk about Major League Lacrosse. We snuck that in there. Show me another sports program that's doing that, man. 
Uh, did any of y'all get a chance to see any of the Stanley Cup finals? Uh, NHL is fun to watch. It's just it's challenging because it's on at the same time as NBA. So I'll see highlights, but I don't watch games. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch it. I will admit that NHL, watching an NHL game, the speed of it, and the fact that they do, they get busy. They thump. And when they do decide to have a disagreement that escalates to a fight, the referee moves his little happy butt out the way, and they get to throw on hands. So I will admit that I need to watch more NHL. I didn't watch any of the Stanley Cup because of, of NBA Finals. I was going to watch play- game six, but then. You just a hater, bro. That's, you ain't got to do with teams like some, that, man. Some came up. Some came up. NHL is also done. We are now getting into this doggone Minnesota. So Miami Heat had to go home. They balling on the beach. The Florida Panthers had to go home. They gone fishing. They balling on the beach. Do you have a second place parade for both of them together? Like a combined parade? Like at least like a, a pool party. We should do a parade. That's a great idea. Almost a second place, place parade. Yeah. Everybody gets a trophy parade. That's what we should call. Yeah. LeBron would be the MC. <laughs> It'd be called the LeBron James Awards. Yeah, I could, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. Uh, 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 but uh, I will say this about Miami, man. It's just we we were just we were so close, but now everybody's gonna go ball on a beach. And as sports fans, we are in this very interesting time of the year. If you don't watch Major League Baseball, I mean, because everything's coming to an end. The NCAA track finals, the doggone, the the uh, the world college World Series, softball, everything's coming to an end. So collegiate sports are done. They're in the law. That's they are there. It's, it's summer. Um, the NBA is over. NHL is over. If you don't watch baseball. Right, and we have tried to introduce our fans, the Ball Hog Sports Talk family. We've introduced you to this wonderful asset called WNBA, but we're at that low right now, man. What What are we thinking in terms of sports content for the next month or two? What y'all think? What, what are we watching here? I'm doing I'm, WNBA. I'm thinking about maybe starting a weight loss challenge. <laughs> Just. Which uh, both y'all skinny, so I can beat y'all. Can we make it the ball hog sports talk weight loss challenge? Something I need the like games. We just that every game. just do live weigh-ins every <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> uh, but we yeah. all gonna be balling on the beach as fans. We got our feet up. We 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 are are searching for that that thrill. And they everyone always says, "Man, you don't know what you got till it's gone." Damn, I'm gonna miss this NBA season, man. I know that man. was in addition to my team losing, in addition to it being the gentleman sweep, uh, in addition to me having to come on this platform and look right in the face and say I was wrong. The biggest disappointment is that 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 now we we just left with nothing, man. We left holding the bag. So um for those in the ball hog sports talk universe, please let us know what we should be watching. And didn't the slap thing get discontinued? Did they discontinue that yet? I don't, you know, it's funny you say that. I heard it was off, but then I keep seeing highlights and stuff. I mean, it's, the people gonna keep showing highlights, people getting slapped, but they're gonna have bootleg leagues running out the back of clubs and stuff. Come over here and slap the hell out of somebody. <laughs> slap offs. Slap offs. I love uh, that show. Uh let's get into before we get out of here for the night the day, man. Let's get into the NFL because the leap that I wanted to make and didn't necessarily make it. So I'm just gonna do it my own way. Um, is we're talking about falling on the beach, man, and, and there are a lot of 
NFL running backs that are on beaches right now without a job. And if you look at this list that I'm going to rattle off, all but one are in their 20s. To reconcile that with, you know, we started our youth football journey going after another national championship. That's right, New Jersey Dark Knights in the building. If you reconcile that with the youth level and a high school level, everybody wants to play running back. But when it comes to the NFL and their value, how they value, or the opposite, how they don't value, the running back position is becoming clearer and clearer that that's not where you want to be. It's not really a, a long-term solution as a NFL career. We know NFL means not for long in general. The careers are very short, but when it comes to the running back position, they're even shorter. This list includes Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Miles Gaskin, Daryl Williams, Kenyon Drake, and then the only one that is in his 30s, Melvin Gordon. Look at those eight names. Think of the productivity. Think of how when you hear those names, you think, oh, yeah, they can help a team out. And they're all balling on the beach with their feet up, waiting to be called. Is there something about the, the – I, I know the evolution of the game in the NFL is a lot more passive. But these are all good backs that don't have a job right now. What does that say about the league in general, the position, and what does it mean for the future of the position? Because I'm assuming that the same way we're talking about it, that overzealous uh, helicopter football dad is starting to recognize that that position has some limitations. I think there's two things that, that, that happen. One, the seven-on-seven seven popularity that we're starting to see Running backs, there's no place for a running back at seven on seven. So while everybody's doing the spring league, all these athletes are going out there and they're catching passes and they're thinking, this ain't so bad, you know? I could catch the ball and be at 20 yards or I could run through 11 people and juke one of them twice to get to this this the same yardage. I like this little catch I'm doing. So you're getting a lot of guys that are running backs that are learning how to catch because used to be a lot of running backs couldn't catch the ball, Right. Right. Now they're getting they're getting better at catching. They're saying, "I like this this receiver thing." Starts to work out. And two, I mean, we're 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 softening up this sport, and and we're making it, you know, more and more into a touch football league or whatever, and not as much hitting and stuff. And I and running backs maintains the most dangerous position on the field, the most uh, the the most beat up position out there. So they get these guys to come in. You know, I once had when on uh, back when I was doing uh, the Big Flow show more often, I had Jerome Bettis on. And I said, you know, have we devalued the position? And he said, no, the value, actually, the position is super valuable. He said, it's just not a lot of people playing running back anymore because all the guys who are running backs that would have been the monster running backs before are playing linebacker now because the linebacker position has become that much more athletic. Right. So he's like, if I was a coming out of high school right now, I'd probably be a linebacker because that's where the the value is and what we're trying to go do. So he said, "There's no, there's very few offenses in in in, uh, in college that are running a, a true pro style offense where you have an all purpose back. So you got a running back that can catch one out the backfield. Got a guy who can give you a little scat on this on this down that down. So they're doing it by by committee, as opposed to having that feature back. So the mm -hmm. fact that you're doing it by committee, there's an abundance of people that can give you a few good years as a committee. That's why you know on that list that you named, I'll be honest, some of them I haven't heard of, right?" 
because growing up for us, you could name all the top running backs in the, in the NFL yeah. because they were all the stars of the league. Now there's two or three names on that list where I'm like, who, who, who is that? Because they got guys that come in and they, they can give you a spell. Contract comes up, they get rid of them, they bring another young guy in, and it's, it's, before you get a chance to miss them, you don't see a drop-off in production because they're only asking running backs to do certain things. They're not asking them to be the all-purpose back that they did in the past. So, right. you know, why yeah, take a chance I, to concussion when you can go out there and catch a pass and step out of bounds? There's this, this business term, diminishing value, and it looks as though when it comes to the running back position, it is the quintessential example of diminishing value um etp any thoughts on the running back position and where it stands all of these guys when you rattle off the names and and you're right i mean these aren't household names but they're all names that from a fantasy football perspective you know these guys are on the beach waiting to be called what say you yeah i mean it's it's something that we've seen progressing probably over the past i don't know seven to 10 years where you have just shortened careers, given all the wear and tear, given all of the impact and, you know, collisions that come with the position. And then teams go into having two backs, you know, that were rotational instead of a one, you know, one main back. There's no such thing as, um, there's no such thing as a fullback anymore. So that made it even, you know, more, taxing on on running backs because they don't have lead blockers so the lead i mean they wanted a receiver instead of a lead blocker so it's just continuously devalued the you know the need and and the expectation of of the ground game so i'm not surprised by it it is pretty crazy that you know the amount of emphasis that's now on the, the air attack i wonder if we'll kind of see a swing back when you know, when this just becomes essentially a passing, you know, 100% passing league, does that become boring and there's no balance, but you know, you're going to have players like your Christian McCaffrey's and others like that, where if you're going to play running back, you have to be a, you know, a Swiss army knife versus just being a running back. So the money goes where, you know, where the people want to, you know, where the people want to want to see the action and and clearly deep ball and and passing is, is where it's at and where the league has gone. But it's, it's crazy to see that, you know, what, what was once a a critical element of, of the offense is now, you know, kind of a secondary consideration. Yeah. And we should have all listened. We should have all seen the foreshadowing of the great philosopher, great philosopher Debo, who, Debo, Debo Samuels never wanted to be called a running back. He called himself a wide back. I'm a wide receiver and a running back. And I think in a way he was foreshadowing where the value of that position really was. Um, So interesting, interesting time. Look, we might be, this, this might be the first time ever, but we started off with breaking news talking about Michael Jordan. We got another breaking news moment right here on the Ball Hog Sports Talk. John ja Morant's fate has been decided. John ja Morant has been handed his suspension. He is suspended for the first 25 games of the season. He will be balling on the beach, feet up, chilling for 25 games. Do you think the commissioner, Adam Silver, and I'm assuming that the NBA Players Association will appeal and 
there'll be a process. So it's not the last we've heard of it. We're, we're going to hear a million things about it. But the first time you heard it was here on the Ball Hogs Sports Talk. Don't you forget. I mean, that's why you should like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast. We gave you not one but two breaking news stories and the same doggone episode. Uh, John Morant, ball on the beach, 25 games. Do we think that is excessive? Let's be quick with this one because we're going to take it home and we got to get some more details about how they got there. It sounded like the NBA had a lot more information than the, uh, you know, gossip websites. It sounded like they really did some research here and some investigatory work to get to the 25 games. Did they get it right? I'll start with you on this one, ETP. 25 games, bro. That's a lot of games. I ain't no mathematician or nothing like that, but that's that's a lot of games. 25 over 82, that's more than a fourth. What say you? That's that's uh that's heavy math for a Friday morning. Um <laughs> so I'm surprised that they did it. I what I thought was they were just going to push it to after the all-star break, like get through the first half of the season, get to the all-star break, build all this excitement, not make any sideshow or any uh you know off off court news about any of this Mm -hmm. so i just thought they would just say oh business as usual we're going to build up excitement around the league and get to the all-star break and then we'll come back and address this insanity in regards to um john morant but so so i don't know if it's more or less i just think from a business standpoint it just would have been easier from a pr and publicity angle where they just wouldn't have had to talk about John Morant coming back or anything until after the all-star break, when people really start paying attention to basketball, because once while football is going on, there's not really a lot of, uh, you know, the, the big interest comes with Christmas day. And then, uh, and then the, that's interesting. I wonder the all-star game, break. How many games yeah. in this Christmas? What's that? I wonder how many games in the Christmas games are. Yeah, it's probably 30. Maybe that was a consideration, having maybe, back ready 30? for Christmas. You think it's 30 before Christmas? Well, I mean, no, that maybe what, like 20? That's right. That's probably right at the, the – I don't know if you're going to make Christmas. That's about right. I mean, again, I ain't no mathematician or nothing like that. That's a, <laughs> that's a, about the time – I don't know. Great question, but – I think you can – I think it came down to this. It J.J. Reddick probably said it best for him. He didn't really break the law, and so now you got to go and think of the people that he, uh, the people that have been suspended in the past for breaking the law, and then you start thinking, okay, well, can even though his what he's doing is more damning in in some ways, and some of the some of the, the laws broken, just yeah. from an image standpoint, and they were trying to give this guy the keys and trying to make him, you know, the pseudo face. You know, obviously the Joker's going to be the face for a second, but. He was he was taken over, you know, <clears throat> as, as as one of the faces of the league. He didn't break the law, so you know, can you suspend him as long break as break the law? Have... We ain't playing. Break the law. We ain't playing. I'm just sorry. That's mm-hmm. a Memphis song. I'm sorry. That was that was sometimes have outbursts. You're gonna be at the beach pretty soon. You got beach beach mind going. So I think for for that, he, you know, he should be happy. You know, the fake gun story, maybe they helped out a little bit. They couldn't prove it was. They should have said that at the outset. If you're going to say hey, it, say it right away. Benito. He said it before the sentence came out. So at the end of the day, he didn't quite break the law. He just got on everybody's nerves a lot, like a lot, like really a lot. Everybody was like, what? The, you know, come on, man. So 25 games is about right. 
in in a short leash. He might have to come without with with a finger wave. Like get the dreads out. At least take the little color bead out of his head. Come in here with a new like he might a, new image. a bow tie at the game wear a bow tie something. Do something like this. Something, man. He gotta change his image a little bit. Look, I will say this, man, because twenty some people are gonna say he got off light, and then there's gonna be a, a, a cadre of people, especially probably Memphis fans, that say, Why would you get 25 games for a fake gun? They're probably believing it. Or even mm-hmm. if it was a real gun and he is licensed to carry, why would you get 25 games? He didn't break the law. So I, I think that this balance that, that Adam Silver and NBA did is is, you know, when when no one's happy, then you probably got it right. But I just my question to John Morant is because we go back to we started with the number one player on that ringer list is Joker. And I don't know where John Moran is. I, I we didn't go as far down to look where he was at on the list. But the Joker said something after that game. He basically was like, is he you he treated his business as usual. He said, uh, anyone who says they love their job, they're lying. He was more excited, not about the parade, but getting home to Serbia. He just wants to do his job. And while we didn't make a big deal when the Joker said it, when I think of his statement in this moment, as we talk about John Morant, there's John Morant, the player, and then John Morant, the the person, separate. He just, for, for him, basketball is just his job. For us... We see it as much more for the owner. We see it, you know, not we, I'm not owner, but I would imagine owners see it as a, a much more than just doing his job. And now like this story, you're suspended for 25 games, doing something on your own time with your own friends in your own car, with your own gun, be fake or real. You didn't break a law and it's impacting your job. And so it's sort of this mix of whatever church and state job and, and, and personal that, I'm I'm not certain whether or not we're going too far. Uh, do I think John Morant is an idiot for allowing another video of him to be released, filmed by his friend on live in his own car? Yeah, I think he's an idiot. Do I think that that rises to the level of losing out on 25 paychecks and impacting his team's ultimate success throughout the season? I'm not certain. But he will be balling on the beach for 25 games. Let's leave it there. Uh, there'll be a lot more to talk about when it comes to John Morant. Yeah. Let's just, get home. Uh, just to give you the quick, it's they're about they're about like at 40 games by Christmas, 35 to 40 games. Really? Yeah. Man, October is like 12, 15 in November, another 15 in December, give or take. Yes, yeah. Wow. All right. So we'll get back to to cash in on Joe in the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Holiday cheer. Um, let's go home with our ball hog spots like moments. Um, you know the, the rules, man. We all are ball hogs in our own way, so we're gonna give you the ball. We're gonna put you in center court, let you do your thing. Any topic, any topic from sports, business, entertainment that you like to share, uh, we give you the ball hog spotlight moment. Um, we'll start with who wants to go first today? How about that? I'll do it that way, Big Flow. Since you see, yeah, we doing. And you know, also, why not start with me? You know, so right, like, <laughs> you got the ball. NBA draft coming up next Thursday. Uh, everybody's looking at uh, uh, Wimby or Wimby or whatever you want to call the dude from France, the French guy, the little tall, skinny French dude. 
Um, I'm just gonna call him Victor. That's how I'm Victor. Gonna we call him Victor. Just you know, I don't know. Everybody still say out. I, I still think he's a little too light in the ass. I, I think you know. You look on one side, you see the Joker, and he's six eleven. He's got a lot of a lot of girth to him, and you can bully his way around and do whatever. I don't know. I'm not saying Victor will never be good, but I think it's going to be about four or five seasons before he starts to make an impact. I think he's going to come in here and be a little skinny fella, and they're going to beat him up. If, if it takes four or five seasons and he gets beat up, then he's a bust. Because they're saying that he might be the best prospect since LeBron James. Those are very lofty expectations, man. When you LeBron get was grown coming out of high school. He bro. was grown. He was grown. What are you saying since LeBron James? Who was a bigger prospect after LeBron? Like, you can be the biggest prospect since LeBron and argue if he's been as big, but it, there's even, no other prospect that has come out. Wait, what you call? Hold on. Uh, Durant came out after LeBron. Kevin Durant went to, yeah, but yeah, he, he wasn't. To, um, he went to, I mean, he was uh, drafted second. Texas. He got drafted second. Yeah. But Who's I'll first? say this. Greg Oden. You're right, E, but mentioning LeBron James Yeesh. in the same sentence just way. inherently puts this extra expectation on you, right? Like, they're saying it in order to put gas on the fire. And so the gas is on the fire when you when you start saying LeBron James. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Sure. And you're right. Like, it hasn't been, you know, I just, I don't, I don't think that if it takes him four or five years, he's a bust. Compared to the expectation, four or five years to do what? To become a, a dominant player in the NBA at seven foot four with guard skills. He gets on creatine or something. So he needs to call. He needs to be what in in I think, all NBA I think in, order for him, in the first as a rookie. I think and I think he needs to at least be in the conversation for rookie of the year. I think within two oh, or three he has years to win the rookie of the year. He has to win rookie of the year within two to three years when they have that top twenty five list. He has to come out ahead of Wiggins. And then he has to come through his lead team to the playoff series. At least one, at least second round, third round of the playoff. Or he's a I was going to point out where Wiggins was on that list, and I, 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 I stopped myself. I'm just saying I'm that's, a, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good limit test. You got to be better than the worst superstar in the NBA. And sometimes, boy, your friends, you know, you know how to push everybody. You know, E, come on, E, come talk. You fine, E, come on, E. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a so, that's a sound assessment, I think. Better than the worst superstar in the NBA, at least. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not messing with you this that's morning. That's fair. Yo, you know, so that Austin Reeves. I fair, e. Austin fair. Reeves has a signature sneaker. Andrew Wiggins does not. Austin Reeves has a signature sneaker. Was it Vans? He just signed. He just signed a, a, a signature shoe deal oh, with yes. a Chinese company. I forget the name of it. They think it's so Goriger, or I'm so not sure the name of it. Uh-uh. But Austin Reeves has a signature sneaker. Andrew Wiggins, superstar. Andrew Wiggins no. got his own flip flop. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, yo, you got yeah, how your people call my people. Let's All get you a shoe. Bro. The beach. Let's get you a shoe. Two All right, ten. so that, that's your ball hog spotlight moment. The ball goes to you, ETP. You got the ball at half court, man. All eyes on you. Ball hog this thing, man. What you got for us from Sports Business Entertainment? So just additional mourning for the city of Oakland. Uh, you know, they're basically at the point of losing every major sports franchise that they've ever hosted with the <laughs> Oakland A's looking to move to Las Vegas. They're legislative. I guess they just got approved for the stadium uh, in Las Vegas. So it's a foregone conclusion that they're relocating. Uh, The fans are not happy about it. Obviously, they just staged what is called a reverse boycott, which is essentially everybody trying to buy as many tickets and show up to the 
to the stadium uh, in force and showed numbers of what they could do essentially for the past few years after they made the, the A's made the playoffs in I think 2019, 2020, the ownership has kind of been mismanaging either intentionally or unintentionally and traded away or, or moved away from a lot of their star talent. They weren't able to be successful. They raised the prices of tickets in the process. And so the fan base became less fan-like and their attendance was down. And then they used that to justify why they are now looking to relocate to, um, to Las Vegas. But the fan base staged a reverse boycott. About 30,000 people were in attendance about 7,000 of them wore shirts that said sell, instructing the ownership to sell to another owner uh, so that they can stay in Oakland. But doesn't look like that's going to happen. When you come to Ballhawk Sports Talk, not only do you get breaking news, you learn new phrase, phrases. Reverse boycott. If anybody's out there within the sound of my voice and you want to do a reverse boycott, to my cash app, you can do it now. Because the reverse boycott, you said the ticket prices went up, and they should. I'm gonna show you. We gonna go buy. We gonna, all, buy we, gonna all. Sell, we gonna sell out. Reverse boycott me anytime you want. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I, I give you my cash app, man. Uh, but that is interesting that Oakland is losing yet another team, uh, and Vegas, man, with with the uh, Raiders going there, it's gonna be a hotbed. It's good. They're, they're gonna get several teams. Um, very good story. My ball hawk spotlight moment is coming from the world of football. And I say it that way because I don't mean that Neanderthal stuff we was talking about before NFL. I mean football, what we call soccer. The Neanderthals in this world, we call it soccer. The rest of the world calls it football. The Nations League, the Nations League semi game had the United States against Mexico. And they don't like each other as a soccer world they don't like each other it looks like just as a nation like i didn't realize we had that type of beef with mexico but that game had not one not two not three but four red cards now the mexican team who cares they got their red cards because it was obvious very early that they were overmatched um but the american team lost two of its best players that won't advance to the finals of this nation league championship so uh egg is on their face uh, in addition, the game was stopped in the 98th minute because the Mexican fan base started chanting homophobic slurs, which they have been uh, warned about time and time again. Uh, they literally just threw the table over. It, they, it was a lot of tackles that were illegitimate. It was physical. And it was, I think, a bloodbath when it comes to uh, nation building. Uh, if we if we had any chance of, of really being a nation builder when it comes to Mexico, it was squandered by that game. And so we will be playing the United States will be playing in the Nations League finals without two of their best players because of the red cards. All right. Uh, they'll be balling on the beach. This has been the balling on the beach episode as I uh, prepare to get down to Miami and see all of these young people under the uh, tournament name of balling on the beach. Thousands and thousands of kids in the convention center uh, flying in from all around the country. I'm always amazed to see the I won't call it exploitation. I'll just say um, the uh, uh, commercialization of youth sports. And, and this is sort of one of the biggest events when it comes to youth basketball. But like we do, we were able to tie it in to sports, business, and entertainment. Like we do, 
we were able to, in advance of official summer, we were able to bring sunshine and heat uh, to your life. Um, it's been a great week of sports. It's been a great week of business. It's been a great week of entertainment. But most importantly, it's been a great week of Ball Hog Sports Talk. This has been the Ball on the Beach episode. We ask you kindly to like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast. The whole crew was in the building. We had the Big Flow Show coming to you from the Midcoast. He did his thing as always while giving me a few jabs as always. We had ETP in the building. He came to you supporting celebrating and, and embracing everything boston but he does what he does on this show and i am your boy b brown esq aka the ball aka the mouth of the south aka mr excessive celebration aka breezy this has been the ball excuse me the balling on the beach episode of the ball hog sports talk we appreciate your support we know that you're gonna like comment share tag a friend tag a foe tag anybody you know and subscribe and we know that you'll be back next week and then we pray that you have a fabulous safe weekend happy father's day to our entire crew etp big flow show and myself happy father's day to all the fathers out there whether you have birthed your own children whether you're a coach as a father figure where you're a mentor whether you are a stepdad happy father's day don't settle for that little cold piece of chicken and some socks you make sure that you celebrate father's day like we do the other holidays all right with that we is out. Peace.